Welcome to the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast. If you're looking for a discussion and analysis of professional volleyball, you've come to the right place. It was a pretty exciting week of volleyball with some important matches going down in the Italian League playoffs, the Polish League playoffs, the Russian League playoffs, and a few, you know, transfers that were rumored, but we now have at least one of them confirmed. So this episode, I'm not going to do winners of the weekend, losers of the weekend, etc. I'm just going to go over the games that took place over the last few days because there were some important ones and a lot of them happened during the week. Rare that we get so many weekday games. I'm just going to talk about them a bit, talk about a couple big news stories. And the biggest transfer that was confirmed this past week was Sveden Sokolov, the Bulgarian opposite hitter who currently plays on Lube Civitanova. It's confirmed that he is going to Zenit Kazan in Russia for next season. Now I know there's always some weird top player swaps going on between these all these elite clubs. We saw Wilfredo Leon leave Kazan for Perugia last year, and we're seeing Matt Anderson leave Kazan for Modena this year. Last year, Irvin Engapet, one of the best outsides in the world, left Modena for Kazan. So these are the best guys in the world. These These clubs are willing to pay ridiculous prices for them. Not sure why they want to keep swapping other players so liberally, but you know I'm not I'm not a volleyball GM, so they I'm sure they have their reasons. Anyway, Sveden Sokolov, still one of the best opposites in the world, is having a fantastic season with Alubi Chivitanova, being arguably their primary offensive weapon this year. Where as in the past couple of seasons, it's been Osmani Wantarena, but this season I definitely think it's Sveden Sokolov getting a lot of sets from Bruno. And he will be replacing Maxi Mikhailov, the Russian national team opposite. And Mikhailov is not leaving the team, no. He is switching to the outside hitter position if the rumors are to be believed. And that's the only thing that really makes sense. Mikhailov is a Zenit Kazan legend. I highly doubt he would leave the team. So it'll be interesting to see Maxi Mikhailov, an outside hitter. We see him kind of sneak into the passing rotation from time to time. Likes to help take jump serves, takes up a lot of court during those, but generally doesn't play passing positions. I remember the last time I think I've seen him play outside was at that legendary 2012 Olympic final where Mikhailov switched out to an outside and then, so you all know, Dmitry Mazursky switched to opposite and they ended up winning the gold medal. But Mikhailov is such a skilled player such good technical detail, really good defensive player. I think he'll be just fine as an outside, and I don't think Zenikazan would take a risk like this without him being able to prove in practices and such that he can pass at a high level, and at a level that is befitting of the club that's won four Champions League titles in a row and looks well on their way to winning a fifth title in a row this year in the Champions League. But Sokolov should do a great role of filling in the talent gap left by Matt Anderson leaving. He's Anderson's a great player, so they needed to get someone that played at a very high level in to replace him. A lot of rumors actually suggested that one of the young duo's national team members from Fekel Novo Irangoy, and that's Dmitry Kovalev and Igor Kliuka, that one of them would make their way to Zenikazan to play the other outside position, but I highly doubt that'll be the case. Now, most of their team seems to be locked up for next year, except for Libero. As we know, Alexei Verbov is retiring, but outsides being Irvin Enkapet and Maxi Mikhailov, and then the opposite is going to be Sveden Sokolov. And I imagine Volvich and Samuelenko will stay in the middle, and Bukko will remain as a setter. 
So we, we got next year's Zenikazan team, and it still looks pretty scary, not going to lie, if all those guys continue to play at a high level. Now we had another rumor. This one is not confirmed yet, but it seems to be gaining some traction, seems to have a lot of legs behind it, and that is Ivan Zaitsev, the Italian opposite player. He is rumored to come into Lubechivitanova to replace Svetin Sokolov. Now this one is not confirmed yet. Ivan Zaitsev obviously has a very high contract given that he is one of the best Italian players and Italian players are always at a premium in the Italian Super League given the foreigner limit. And he's rumored to have a 300,000 euro buyout clause in his contract, which seems extremely steep for even for a player of his caliber. In my opinion, Lube might be able to get a player similar, maybe not quite as high level as him, but similar level for a little cheaper but it's their choice if they want to spend all this money. Ivan Zaitsev, we've seen him. There's been arguments that he has declined this year. He did have a rough patch when Micah Christensen went down. Didn't really seem like the same kind of player. Has been great in playoffs so far, so maybe the rumors of his decline were a little soon, but I don't know. A player at his age who has relies on athleticism as much as Ivan Zaitsev does could be a bit of a risky move for Lube, but hey, They've got money to spend, apparently. It's up to them how they spend it. Although, apparently Zaitsev wasn't even their first target. Apparently, Wallace, out of Brazil, the starting opposite for the Brazilian national team. In my opinion, a better player than Ivan Zaitsev at this point in their career. Apparently, they tried to lure him out of Brazil, which I'm surprised that he didn't take the offer, given how much I'm sure Lube is offering to pay, but a lot of times Brazilians like to stay on their home turf. It's tough to get them out of there. And also, the top Brazilian clubs do pay fairly well as well. They also, I heard, went after Namir Abdelaziz, the opposite on Milano. But again, he seems to really like it in Milano and wants to grow with that team. Happy he's staying. He, I, I like him on Milano, so glad he didn't go to Lube Chivitanova. But seems like Lube sees Zaitsev maybe as their last chance of getting an opposite in that kind of elite tier. And if they want to compete at the level I know they want to compete at, they do need someone in that kind of top group of guys. So either they have to take a risk on someone like a Stefan Boyer or Camille Richlicki or someone like that to take the next step and get much better, or they're just going to have to pay a lot of money to get one of the top guys. So if you guys were not following kind of the drama that went on in the Plus Liga, I'll give a quick recap. So Bartosz Kurek, right before the semifinals, it was announced that he had kind of a debilitating back condition and would be out for the next three months right before Oniko Versava was set to play Jastrzemski Vigil in the Plus Liga semifinals. So obviously a bit concerning for Oniko that their best player was injured right before the semifinals. Apparently, they had the ability to get an injured player exemption, which would allow them to sign a player in the stead of Bartosz Kurek, which they apparently were trying to use on Machi Muzai, who played for Trefl Gdansk this season. Big fan of his, had a really great run during the Champions League. However, that transfer did not go in, in time for the first semifinal match. So they played with Canadian opposite Shawan Vernon Evans, who was in high school a couple years ago, but now playing pro in Poland. And I said on my last podcast, I thought Shawan would be a great player to play in this game. I don't think they, I don't think the upgrade from Shawan to Muzai is 
actually as high as a lot of people thought. Obviously, Musa a little older, definitely more experienced. But Shawan actually played pretty well in this game. Didn't have great efficiency, but did score 22 points. 19 for 43, hitting two aces and a block to go along with that. And he was just doing especially well in the first set. Wasn't really getting the easiest sets from Antoine Brizard. Kind of an uncharacteristically bad game from Brizard in this first match of the Blues League semifinals. But Shawan did alright. His serve is looking a lot better. Anyway, Versava did end up winning the first sweat in a pretty pretty comfortable fashion. But then their outside hitter, also a young guy, Bartosz Folek, went out. I believe it was kind of a non-contact injury. I'm not sure exactly what the injury was. I, I sounded like a torn ACL, but he will be out probably for the entire summer as well as probably part of next season. Those non-contact injuries after a fall, pretty scary to watch. Really sad for him. And unfortunately, Versava doesn't really have any great options off the bench. I know a lot of people will say that Nikolay Penchev is a good option to have, but in my opinion, he's just not a good offensive player for this level of volleyball and it showed in this game only hitting eight for 24 again and he was getting the uh the single blocks and the kind of the easier balls from Antoine Broussard to go along he got blocked twice and also made an error in this game so unfortunately uh Versava did lose the next three sets in a pretty tough fashion and it also hurt because of the foreign player limit in Poland Graham Vigras the Canadian middle was not able to play after the first set Probably one of their best players, a Plus Liga. I picked him as a Plus Liga all-star. So it's tough to tough to not be able to play with him as well. And yeah, just a tough game for Versava. Really unlucky that they didn't were not able to play their optimal lineup or even close to their optimal lineup because they were looking quite good coming into the playoffs. However, there is silver lining. They did end up being able to sign Machi Muzai. He will be playing in their next game that is taking place on Friday, April 19th. So they will be able to play with Muzai. And even though I think Shawan did a great job in his stead, I think they need to go with Muzai so they can play Vigras in the middle because he is such an important part of their team. But to be fair, Jastrzebski Vigil took care of business on their side. Konarski with his usual kind of middling offensive performance, 17 for 39. Got blocked six times with two errors, so pretty standard game from him. But the rest of his team made up for that. Good efficiency from the middles. Piotr Hain, 7 for 8 hitting. Uh, David Gunia, 4 for 7 hitting. Not the prettiest game of volleyball ever. Uh, just Strebsky only hit 48%, and the Versava only hit 44%. So I still think this series uh, could go either way. I think Versava could definitely um, come back and win the next one with Muzai and Vigras in the game, but... Tough break, tough break for uh, for Sava. That's you never want to see injuries derail a series like this, especially right before the first match and then during the first match. And our other Plus Liga game was oh man, this one was a crazy match between Zaxa Kazers and Kozle and Zaverci, who won the first game in Zaxa's home court. So that was crazy, and actually started this game really well as well. They won the first two sets pretty handily, 25-16, 25-23, and we're just looking dominant. Michael Mazny, the Slovakian setter, was dishing out some nice dimes. Saichiro Koga 
The Japanese libero was digging everything. They could not put a ball down against this guy or serve anything that didn't cause him to have a pretty much perfect pass. You know, Zaverci, they looked like they were going to pull off the semifinal sweep against Zaxa, who went 21-3 and in the Plus League regular season. It would have been an absolutely crazy upset. And you see that I said would have been because I don't want to say against all odds they're the underdogs because Zaxa should have closed out the series a long time ago. But Zaxa ended up coming back 25-19, 25-18, 15-12 in the fifth set. And they were down at the start of the fifth set too. But some clutch serving from Matej Biniak brought them in back into the match right at the end. Some really good plays by them. Oh man, this... I mean, I don't really want to root for Zaxa because it's this, Zverci is definitely the underdog in this matchup by a long shot, but they haven't really looked the part. They've been playing really well, so you almost find yourself cheering for Zaxa because they feel like an underdog despite having probably spending more on Sam Daru than Zverci does on its entire roster. Speaking of Daru, he was actually really strong in this match. 17 for 31 hitting with minimal errors. Also had a ace to add to that, and two blocks. We've seen him improve his blocking a lot this year, as well as some adequate passing. Not great, uh, 36% positive, but you know could could be worse. Zverevich was actually serving some real tough spinners this game, so it really kept uh, Zax's serve passing line on their toes. Zverevich and Mark Lebedew and Alex Freer and all those guys they'll be kicking themselves because they had this match. They had it. In the bag, they could have shut the door on Zaxa. They could have gone to the finals, guaranteed themselves a spot in the Champions League for next season. Had the best season. I mean, they're already having the best season in their club's history, but it would be the ultimate Cinderella story had they won this match. They still have one more chance to do it, but they will have to go back to the home arena of Zaxa, Katrish, and Kajle, where they will have very stiff competition. I don't know. I don't know how many opportunities Zaxa is going to give them to win that game. I know Zaxa doesn't look like the same team that went 21-3 and in the regular season and looked unstoppable for most of it, but I have a feeling that, that that beast could rear its head at any time. Also interesting to note in this game that Lukas Kaczmarek was the only guy that got subbed off after those first two set losses for Rafael Shishimura, who, from what I've seen in the past, is mostly played as an outside hitter, but he was hitting the opposite for this match and actually did a pretty good job. <laughs> Came in very clutch for Zaxa, hitting 9 for 14 with three blocks and an ace in the last three sets. So good on that kid for coming off the bench and performing when called upon. I have a feeling he might have earned himself a starting role. Maybe not on Zaxa, but somewhere for next season. All right, so lots of fun games in Poland last over the last couple days, but we also had some fun games in the Italian Super League. First one, the most hyped matchup, I think, for a lot of people, was Perugia versus Modena. And if you hadn't been following kind of the controversy around Perugia recently, on Sunday, Saturday's game against Monza, there was a bit of a scuffle between Santiago Orduna, Alexander Atanasijevic, and Fabio Ricci which ended up resulting, I mean, it resulted in a few bans for, Mo- for players from Monza, but for Perugia, who's in the playoffs right now, most importantly, it did result in a one-game ban for Atanasevich. 
also technically a one game ban for Fabio Ricci, but they got that reduced. They also got the one from Atanasevic reduced from two games to one as well. But you know that we all suspected that that was going to happen, but it didn't really end up mattering too much for Perugia. They still took care of business in this game pretty easily. There was a lot of speculation as to what Perugia would do because they didn't have really a super obvious answer to who they were going to fill in the opposite position. They did have Sjord Hogendorn, who's maybe going to play, but he's not a great player for this level. So a lot of people thought either Nick Hogue or Alexander Berger or even Wilfredo Leon would end up playing the opposite position. And Perugia decided to go with their trusty Alexander Berger to play opposite for this game and still help out a little bit in serve-receive as well. Only hit 4 for 10 in the match because we all know who is going to get the monster set load tonight, and that was Wilfredo Leon, who didn't have his best game ever. He has struggled a bit recently. 20 for 41 attacking with 4 attacking errors and getting blocked 5 times, which is really surprising from him as he tends to rarely happen. But he also added a very important four aces onto that performance as we know leon his serving runs are just the stuff of legends and his 21 serves the most of anyone on perugia really put almost too much pressure on modena modena could never really get into their offense this entire match they really struggled to pass and out serve perugia and as i said on my last podcast i think i said if modena wants to win that they definitely have to pass at above 20 percent perfect passing and They only hit 17% as a result of Leon, who had a lot of great serving. And also Marco Padrashinen had some pretty good service runs during this match as well, as well as he added three blocks. Zaitsev, who may be playing his last game for uh, Modena pretty soon, only hit 8 for 21, 38% hitting, got blocked two times and with three attacking errors, so he did not have the greatest match. Bartosz Bednorz and Tina Arnout ended up getting a lot of sets because honestly, the passing just wasn't that great. They weren't getting it to position three. As you know, Michael Christensen loves to set Max Holt. He would probably set him every time if he could. And when he did the set the middles in this match, he actually they actually did a really good job of scoring Max Holt, five for nine, and Daniele Mazzone, five for six. No, Simone Anzani this match, interestingly enough, seems to fall, be, have fallen out of favor with Modena. But yeah, if they just could have got it to their middles a little bit more, they're, uh, they're, they were just having their way with uh, the Perugia defense. They were scoring really well, but unfortunately, Bartosz Bednors was really getting picked on in reception, only 10% perfect reception. So that, that just makes it tough when you guys just can't pass that well. And Salvatore Rossini with seven passing errors, which is just... I mean, a lot of those were off Leon's... Uh, brutal brutal spin serves but still really tough to see that from your libero the next matches in these series will be taking place on friday april 19th and as we know the modena home crowd can be very loud very passionate at times in the pala panini and also cucina lube civitanova will attempt to close out their series on their home court and i should talk about the game between civitanova and trentino because it's actually definitely the more entertaining to watch out of the two Superliga games that happened. Went to five sets, including a 44-minute fourth set that was won by the eventual victors, Lube, 28-26. Really back and forth in that one. 
Actually, it's just a back and forth game. Actually, Trentino. Right, let's talk about the ending first because it was insane. The fifth set, 27 minutes long. Cucine Lubic Ivitanova won 21 to 19. But Trentino led 12 11, lost a couple points in a row. So Lube's up uh, 14 13. And it looks like Lubic Ivitanova is about to win it. Trentino gives up a couple free balls. Sokolov hits Kovacevic in the chest. By the way, Sokolov and Kovacevic both really going at it, scoring a lot in this fifth set. So Sokolov hits um, Kovacevic in the chest. Uh, Grabanikov kind of pops it up. Gabriele Nelly sends what Lube Chivitanova thinks is a bad free ball. Kind of kind of hits it high, hits it off. It looks like it's heading right towards the antenna. Sokolov turns around. The ball hits the net and just drops right in in front of Bruno, who looks so shocked. So after that point, and it's 14-14 at that point, I really hoped Trentino would win. And they had their chances, they had their opportunities. But that Lube Chivitanova side-out offense in Svetin Sokolov just wouldn't let it happen. And Lube goes on to win the game. How about Svetin Sokolov with, got 56 sets this game. It was a long game, guys. But he got 56 sets, scored on 30 of them, eight attacking errors, and got blocked four times. So, you know, medium efficiency. Definitely gave away 12 points on some of those, but still was a net positive 19 for the game. So good on him. He was huge for them. Unfortunately, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, not going to be in Lube Chivitanova for much longer. Actually playing his future team, Zenikazan, in the Champions League finals, which is always fun to see. He added three aces and three blocks, so 36-point performance for Sveden Sokolov. Didn't get the MVP, though. That went to Bruno for some reason. Not not really sure who was uh, deciding that one. Anyway, this is this is one of my favorite games to watch in a while. It was it was a fun weekend. This VRG versus Zaxa game was really fun. This game was really fun. And, yeah, they're playing on Friday. Lubeck has a good chance to win it in their home court. Hopefully it's another fantastic game. Kovacevic is an absolute monster. Hit 21 for 35 for a nice and toasty 60% of this game. Two blocks in ace. And did as usual, a very good passing routine. So he was great. I think Grapenikov was passing dimes and digging up everything this match. This match was not amazing, but still pretty good. Was blocking fairly well. But the guy, I think, who we've seen play really well this playoffs, but didn't have a good game this match... Aaron Russell, only 10 for 26 with two block shots and two attacking errors, as well as six costly, costly six service errors for Aaron Russell, although he did have a really good run in this game. But really, you guys should just go check out my Instagram at 51VB because I posted that clip I was talking about with Gabriele Nelly putting it over the net and Sokolov not realizing it went in. It was probably one of the luckiest points I have ever seen in volleyball. Anyway, a fun match. Fun matches in Italy. Really fun few days of volleyball. A couple of great five-setters. We also had another five-setter that I didn't watch in its entirety, and that is in the Russian league between Fekel Novi Urengoy and Belgari Belgorod. I was cheering for Belgorod because of Canadian Gord Perrin, but also Fekel. Such a fun team to watch. We saw them in the Club World Championships with Igor Kliuka, Dmitry Volkov, Eric Shoji, the American national team libero, Arthur Udris on the right side. Just just a great team full of great players. And they did end up getting the win kind of in an ugly match. 
only hit 46%, and Belgorod only hit 45%. Lots of errors and blocks, blocked attacks from these guys. A couple of fun stats in this one. Nemanja Petric had seven aces on the match. I feel like we always see the really high ace games coming out of the Russian League. I think it's because they have a lot of guys who just absolutely bang serves and also gonna be honest probably their passing and technical skills and quite as high maybe as in Italy as well but anyway seven aces is impressive no matter what the circumstance and then also the fake Elnovia and Goy blockers had 11 kill blocks that's not just regular blocks 11 kill blocks between Dmitry Kolonkovsky and Ivan Yakovlev so like I said I mean a lot of it was Perrin and Zemchenok and Nemanja Petrik hitting straight into the block, but good job on the middles to at least get out there and get those massive 11, 11 kill blocks. And yeah, Fake Nova Orangoy, 17 kill blocks for the match. Igor Kliuka was their leading scorer with 20 points on a pretty good 17 for 32 hitting and also three aces, so definitely their best performer. And this one also passed at a decent clip. Dmitry Volkov struggled a little bit with only 5% perfect passing and 15 for 36 hitting, but he did add an ace in two blocks and, of course, his usual very high energy. Unfortunately, Gord Perrin struggled quite a bit in this one, only hitting 13 for 33, got blocked four times by the aforementioned gigantic middles for Fekel Novoyerngoy, if you remember them from the Club World Championships. And three attacking errors as well. So tough, tough game for Gord Perrin. Not too much better for Zemchenok. 18 for 40 with five blocked attacks. And Nemanja Petrik again, not, not much better at all. 13 for 27 with seven blocked attacks. So you can see these guys were getting blocked a ton during this match. But Fekelnova Irangoy will be advancing to the Russian League semifinals where they will play the legendary... Club Zenikazan, who has won. I don't know. I'm not going to look it up. I don't know how many in a row they've won, but it's been a few. They're a good team. They're, I think they only lost one match in the entire Russian league this season, and that was actually to Fekel Novi Urngoy. So, probably not the team they wanted to play. And also, if you remember, they lost to Fekel in the Club World Championships as well. So, pretty much their only two of their only losses this season have been to Fekel. They seem to be the Zenikazan killers. I would actually love to see that upset happen. And then on the other side of the bracket, it is Zenit St. Petersburg versus Dynamo Moscow. Little less exciting of a matchup in my opinion, but should still be some exciting volleyball over there. All right, I think that is where I'm going to end it today. Not the longest episode, but we didn't have too much going on in the few days of pro volleyball since I made my last podcast. Remember this weekend we have on Fridays a pretty packed day with more Italian semifinal Superliga games. We have that game between Oniko Versava and Jastrzemski Vigil in the Polish League, but just that one. The other one will be taking place on April 24th, which is next Wednesday. And then we also have some German games. I think the French League playoffs are starting tomorrow, if that's your kind of thing, if you like watching the French League. German League playoffs are going on. Friedrich Schaffen has already advanced to the German League Finals, and Berlin Recycling Volleys are only one game away from beating the Alpen Volleys to advance to Friedrich Schaffen, what seems like is the finals in the German League pretty much every year. 
So I hope you guys have a good Easter weekend if that's your kind of thing. And I will see you on Monday with a recap of all the action and news and stats and storylines that are going to happen over the weekend. Thanks for listening. And remember, you got any friends who are into volleyball? Let them know about the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast. The more people you have to talk about pro volleyball with, it's always better.